It's a college baseball Tuesday. We're talking all the week two action. We're talking about the Pac-12. Can Stanford really compete for a national title this year? You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And on this College Baseball Tuesday, we have to talk about the week two action that just wrapped up. Uh, Got to start with the number one overall team, Texas. Put on a show at home this weekend. Brought in an Alabama team. If you remember, a pretty decent Alabama team swept them. One run on the weekend. Opened the series with 22 straight scoreless innings. And in their eight games, already have four shutouts. And we knew that Texas had a good defense. Okay, Uh, Opposing hitters, 162, 245, 225 is the slash line. And off of the three starters, Pete Hansen, Tristan Stevens, and Tanner Witt, it's a combination of two total runs on the season. Now Texas's offense didn't look great. 3 runs on um yeah, 3 runs on 9 hits in the first 2 games and then Sunday opened it up a bit and won 6 to 1. But when you have such great pitching like that, you have the time for your offense to 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 kind of get unleashed and and to do that. And then talking about like teams being great and doing stuff, Stanford. Holy cow. So the Round Rock Classic was in Texas this weekend. Stanford just steamrolled the whole the whole thing. Beat LSU two to one. Um, beat Indiana thirteen to nothing on a Sunday doubleheader. Then took down Arkansas five to nothing. Just absolute buzzsaw. And Stanford was the favorite in the Pac-12, and that's today's show. Stanford's the favorite in the Pac-12 because the offense was so good from the team that went to Omaha last year. But the pitching staff four shutouts in seven games. And then after LSU scored a first inning run on Friday, Stanford proceeded to put up 24 straight zeros. The The Indiana game was seven innings. So, I mean, whether it's Quinn Matthews, the lefty, struck out 10 Arkansas batters in six innings, two hits. Uh, whether it's lefty Drew Dowd, uh, 2-0, 0.93 ERA. Righty Alex Williams moved from the bullpen to the rotation. 2-0, 1-1-2 ERA. Just absolutely just looking fantastic. And and Stanford is a team, and you'll hear more about this in the second segment. Stanford's a team that not only is a uh is the favorite win the Pac-12, they're one of the favorites to go to Omaha to be one of those eight teams in the College World Series. And kind of going around some of the other uh some of the other games over the weekend. NC State, the legend of Tommy Tanks. So Tommy White, freshman for NC State is batting 588, 650, 1412 on the season. Nine home runs, 29 RBIs in eight games. And NC State's a school I was a little bit concerned about because they have a lot of inexperience, a lot of youth. They have a, a, a freshman shortstop, a freshman catcher. And whenever you're in a situation where that's happening, you have to be concerned. But if the offense continues to play like this, it, it is lights out. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee is 7-0. and Trey Liscomb hit for the cycle on Friday and then got everything but the double 
on Saturday. Chase Dollinger, transferred in from Georgia Southern, has thrown 10 innings this year, 21 strikeouts, one walk. Now, the thing about Tennessee is they've played Georgia Southern and they've played Ionia. So I want to see them in some some against some better matchups before I think that, yes, Tennessee absolutely has this locked down, which the good news is this weekend, the Shriners Hospital College Classic is in Houston. You got number one, Texas, number eight, LSU, number 16, Tennessee, number 23, UCLA, and Baylor and Oklahoma. That's a good field of college baseball teams right there. And then if for some reason you can't get that on TV, this is the ACC-SEC rivalry weekend. Clemson versus South Carolina. Florida versus Miami, and Georgia versus Georgia Tech. And I love what they do for this one because Athens to to Atlanta isn't that far away. Game one is in Atlanta at Georgia Tech Stadium. Game two is in Athens at UGA Stadium. Game three is in Gwinnett, the AAA affiliate of the Braves. It's in their stadium. So going to be some great college baseball to watch this weekend if you're trying to figure out uh, what to do, what to watch, that is definitely a place to go while we are still waiting on Major League Baseball to give us spring training, give us games, and give us guys to talk about. And in just a minute, I do want to talk about the Pac-12 and talk about some of their chances to, um, you know, how many teams are going to get a chance to get to Omaha uh, and get in, you know, and get in the playoffs. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, and football is over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. So, from the latest odds. Totals, player performance props, all that. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so the Pac-12, more so than any other conference that played baseball last year, the Ivies didn't play last year, but more so than all of the other programs, had a weird run-up to the year. Um, a lot of programs didn't have any fall practice. Some of the other ones that did were really limited in some way. A lot of those limitations carried over into the spring, into previewing, a, uh, like into your, your preseason practice. And then that no major conference had to deal with specific COVID restrictions any more than the Pac-12 did because – the majority of the Pac-12 is California and the West Coast and the approach they took to COVID. So it was an interesting season for the Pac-12. But despite that, six teams make the NCAA tournament. Of those six, three host a regional. And then the Arizona Wildcats and the Stanford Cardinals both end up going to Omaha for the College World Series. So looking at it again, Stanford, as we mentioned in the first segment, absolutely a College World Series contender. Oregon State, Arizona aren't too far behind them. And you really can go down the list. And probably half these teams, you can argue and you can make a case that these are, in fact, playoff teams. So I don't know if it's going to be six, if it's going to be more, if it's going to be less. That's going to depend on RPI and a lot of other stuff, what shakes out in other conferences. But either way, uh, this is going to be a good conference this year. So that first team, obviously, Stanford. We saw Stanford struggle uh, against Cal State Fullerton in week one. But as I mentioned, the Round Rock Classic, just absolutely domination by Stanford. Uh, you know, they're a team that they can make a return trip to the College World Series. They have not done that since they went to five straight between 99 and 2003. So a lot of stuff centered around uh, sophomore Brock Jones, 
batted 311 last year. He's going to be the centerpiece of the lineup. You've got a couple pieces to replace, um, but your third baseman, Drew Bowser, he's still there. Your shortstop, third-year sophomore, Adam Crampton, he's still there. Um, you know, you have a you, you have a third-year sophomore catcher. You have a true sophomore second baseman. Uh, you know, and and Tommy Troy is a guy who can play a lot of different positions. So what I like is they're bringing back a lot of experience and a lot of guys off of that roster. And they're draft eligible, but they're still only sophomores. So you have an opportunity for them to uh, to if this goes well, they can they can run it back and try it again uh, on the mound. And we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but just you know, some of the guys who have stepped up, whether it's Drew Dowd, things like that. I really like. You know, this pitching staff this year reminds me of the Stanford lineup last year. It was a young lineup that needed to kind of take a like a big leap forward, and they did. And that's what this pitching staff is this year. You've got experience, but still there is like there is reason to to feel good about the talent there. And if if Stanford can have some things break like they did in the Round Rock Classic, this absolutely is a team that is going to be in Omaha. Uh, one of their biggest competitors this season is going to be Oregon State. Oregon State last year, 37-24 record, a little misleading. A lot of that was out-of-conference stuff. They went 16-14 and 14 in conference. But the whole thing behind Oregon State is we didn't know what they were last year. Like, they were kind of a mystery. We didn't know a lot about them. And they ended up being a really solid unit. Uh, they have a – he's now a fourth-year junior. This is going to be so confusing with this COVID year thing. Fourth-year junior center fielder and Jacob Melton batted over 400 last year. 404, 466, 697. Now, he didn't play the entire year. He missed a lot of time with an injury, but he's back. Uh, so he, he has his left fielder back. Uh, Wade Meckler batted 300 last year. You've got your, your, your first baseman back, your shortstop back, your third baseman back. And then you have some of your, your utility guys. Travis Banza is a guy who can play a lot of different positions and is going to have a chance to win that second base job full time. But Oregon State's a team lends to that mystery. They like to mix and match pieces and mix and match guys and who's going to be in there. So you know the offense is going to be good. You just don't necessarily know how exactly it's going to shake out defensively and lineup wise, other than the fact they're going to be solid. Um, the pitching staff, there's a lot of high-end talent and ability there. So uh, fourth-year junior right-hander Jake Finnings, 5-0, 3-2-4 ERA last year. There's a sophomore lefty, uh, I'm going to try this, Cooper Herpe. I believe it's Herpe. There's like an H and a J together. I don't know how you do that. Cooper Herpe uh, didn't have great numbers last year, 3-6, 4-2-1 ERA. When you kind of go and dive a little bit, he got roughed up some. I think he plays better than that ERA. And then third-year sophomore right-hander Will Fritsch, 3-0, 238 ERA. And like these guys can all throw mid to upper 90s. I mean, 95, 97, 98 is where these guys are Like as far as their fastballs go. And then they have a true freshman, Jacob Matz, who was the number one player in their recruiting class, which was sixth best in the country. So he's a guy who you expect to see him in midweek, maybe long relief as he figures out what's going on. But he's a guy who can kind of come up if they need something. And and really that's something where where you don't want to count on a true freshman to take you all the way uh to you know to Omaha simply because of how much longer his college season is than his last high school season, but 
He's incredibly talented. He's the best player in that class, which was a top six class. And so I expect him to um I expect him to be a crucial piece of there, whether it's midweek or in long relief, and then next year step right up into that rotation. I mean, bullpen, you got a 60-year senior coming back. Uh, Mitchell Verberg threw 24 innings last year, had ERA under three. Joey Mutt's a fourth-year junior, uh, 23 innings pitched last year. You kind of feel good about having experience back there, especially with a little bit of, a, of younger, younger pitchers there, but it's fine. And, you know, when you're looking at, at new guys and new places, Arizona is a team 45 and 18 last year, 21 and nine in the conference had a great year last year. Well, Jay Johnson left, you brought in chip Hale, And so unlike most Arizona teams, I think this Arizona team is going to be carried by the pitching staff. Usually when you talk about Arizona, you talk about a great offense. This one's going to be carried by the pitching staff. So they've got sophomore righty TJ Nichols and numbers last year. Aren't amazing. Six and three, four, seven, seven ERA. But he's got stuff. He's just absolutely got stuff. Some of the best stuff in the Pac-12. He could be one of the best pitchers in the Pac-12 at the end of the season, just as far as what he can actually do on the mound. Um, Chandler Murphy is probably going to be their Sunday guy. He's a sophomore right-hander. Same thing. Really great tool. Seven and zero, four two nine ERA last year. Little odd to see a four two nine ERA and a seven and zero record, but. A lot of it ends up being <coughs> getting roughed up and no decisions and things like that. So in between there, you've got a fifth-year senior and lefty Garrett Irvin, who's kind of your workhorse in there. He's going to go and give you, you know, seven innings of, you know, one run, three-hit ball. He's just going to do that every single day or, you know, every single outing, every single time with the ball. And then they've got some guys who kind of went back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen who can really help them out as well, including Louisville Marymount uh, grad transfer, Hayden Christian, lefty, 37 innings at Louisville Christian last year, 0.97 ERA. So you've got that. You did lose some offensive parts. Jacob Berry is the big guy. We talked about him in the SEC preview, third baseman for LSU, and he's already had a torrid start to the season. <clears throat> Just absolutely torrid, but... This one is going to be driven by the catching position. So Daniel Susek is the catcher for Arizona. 335, 392, 591 last year. The absolute stud in this lineup. And you've got some experience around him. You've got a, a fourth-year junior at a shortstop. You've got a fourth-year junior at third. You've got a third-year sophomore outfielder in Mark Bingham. And so you've got some experience around him. But this whole thing is going to be built on can you provide enough protection for Daniel Susak where this offense can click and score runs? Um, you look at like sophomore Chase Davis. As a freshman last year, had top player in the class, had a lot of tools, came in kind of loud, and just kind of got so many veterans on this team. He just didn't really have a chance to play. He's another guy where if he can break out this year, like his projections say he should be able to, you combine him with a Susak you have to feel really good about this Arizona offense catching up to where the pitching is. And again, that's just weird to say about Arizona because usually Arizona is a pitching dominated program. So, but then looking at probably what I think is the most fascinating team in the PAC 12 is UCLA. So one hand, 10 players were drafted off that roster. I mean, that's, that's a lot for anybody to lose. You remember last week, the ACC preview, Talking to to um, to Drake, and we talked about 
think it was Louisville losing six guys. <coughs> and how wild that was to lose six guys. UCLA lost 10. Flip side of that, <clears throat> they brought in the number one recruiting class in the country. So you've got a lot of youth there. A lot of those guys are going to have to play. I mean, you're only returning starters. You've got a third-year sophomore second baseman and a, so- and a true sophomore third baseman. Both those guys batted better than 250 last year. But other than that, it's going to be a lot of young guys. You're going to have a freshman shortstop. You're going to have third-year uh, third sophomore catcher in Darius Perry. He's only got seven career at-bats. So he doesn't have the experience a typical third-year sophomore would. So really young offense, but a lot of potential. Again, number one overall class in 2020. Good class, or 21. So good class. And then... The pitching, you do have more experience there. You've got a third-year sophomore righty in Jared Karos through 27 innings last year, a sophomore righty in Max Radjic, uh, 32 innings last year, but they've also never been full-time starters. They were bullpen guys. Radjic was the closer last year, and we've seen guys make that jump. We've seen guys go from closing to starting and be good. Um, the question here is, who's kind of... Who's going to go around him? There's a true freshman, Gage Jump. Uh, he's a candidate to possibly get a Sunday start or a Tuesday start. I mean, in high school, he's kids throwing 96. Uh, he would have been drafted pretty high if he didn't have a firm commitment to UCLA. Uh, left-hander Ethan Flanagan. You know, he looked really impressive in fall ball, and he's somebody where true freshman, but probably going to end up eating innings for them. Sophomore righty Jake Brooks threw 20 innings last year. 5-3-1 ERA, which doesn't sound great, but when you watch his stuff, He's a guy who's kind of taking a leap and kind of taking a jump. And in just a minute, I kind I want to cover some of these other teams in the conference that can absolutely compete uh, for a spot in the regionals. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar is the only protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All Built Bars are covered in one hundred percent real chocolate, including the puffs, which. If you listen to the show, you know those are the first ever protein-infused marshmallows. So all of these things, 100% real chocolate, low calories, they taste great. If it's the puffs, you've got flavors like churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. If it's the bars, you've got white chocolate cookies and cream. You've got cherry barcia. You've got raspberry. You've got coconut almond, mint brownie. Tons of options. Tons of flavors. They're all low calorie. They're all high protein. They can fill you up if you're hungry middle of the day. So what you need to do, go to built.com, check out the, the permanent flavors, check out the rotating flavors, sign up to get notifications about the limited time flavors. And while you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. So the thing about Rock Auto is there are so many makes and models of cars. It is insane. And if you go out trying to find a part for your car. You go to it to a, a chain auto parts store and they're going to ask you all these questions about, well, is your car an Alex or an EX? Is it a sport? You know, limited, whatever it is. And then odds are they're not going to have the part in stock. So they have to mail it to you anyway. Well, rather than having to leave your house and do all that, just go online, go to rockauto.com. You can see it all right there. And odds are it's probably cheaper because Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving DIYers for over 20 years. Like, this is their passion. This is what they do. 
They have reliably low prices for each customer and the parts for your specific vehicle. Anything you could need, motor oil, tail lamps. You want to replace the carpet in your car, the headliner. They've got all of that stuff. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So top four, kind of like a big four in the Pac-12. And I'm going to catch some flack for that because I have Oregon in here at fifth. And Oregon, good year last year, 39-16. and uh, Overall, 20-10 and in the conference. They hosted a regional, but they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. They lost a lot of pieces, you know, including important pieces. Uh, Aaron Zavala, Gabe Matthews, Kenyon Yeovan are all gone. And so they're, they're, they're bringing back experience. Their left fielder's a fourth-year junior. Their shortstop's a third-year sophomore. Their right fielder's a third-year sophomore. So you've got a base there, right? You have a solid base to work off of. But you, Oregon's success this season is predicated on so many guys who need to take a leap, right? You've got uh, a fourth-year junior at second base, Gavin Grant. You need him to take a leap. Sophomore center fielder Colby Shade. Batted 250 last year. Only had 12 at-bats. You need him to take a leap. Um, Third-year sophomore catcher Jack Scanlon batted 169 last year. Like, you need him to make a dramatic jump. Uh, And so, like, you have talent. You have a freshman first baseman in Jacob Walsh who has a hot bat. This kid will hit bombs. You brought in Brandon Malone, the infielder from South Carolina. Uh, He was a blue... He was a... Uh, top recruit in the 2019 class, struggled for two years, finally left. He batted 216 last year. Like, has talent, couldn't put it together in Columbia. So, Oregon can do well if they can get a surge of production out of a lot of these guys. And it's just so much to count on that I can't help but put them fifth. It's not that I, I don't believe in Oregon. It's just they have so many guys who all have to make a leap for them to get back to where they were last year. That's why by default, they're fifth. I hope I'm wrong about this later in the year. I hope that I feel bad for having them at fifth when they're competing for the Pac-12 championship. Pitching, same thing. They lost all three members of last year's weekend rotation. And they had a good rotation last year. And so you've got some younger guys. You've got a couple third-year sophomores. You've got a fifth-year junior. You know, and some guy, you know, some guys who went to the Cape and things like that. But you just haven't seen a lot about them because of COVID restrictions and because of they had three starters who were the guys over the weekend. So you got to, you kind of have to get these guys up. I do feel good about the bullpen. I like Oregon's bullpen a lot. So they've got two closers in there. Uh, Central Connecticut State had a grad transfer come, righty Dylan Sabia, uh, 280 ERA last year for. Central Connecticut State. And then uh, Oregon's closer last year, fifth-year senior lefty Colby Somers, 308 ERA, 11 saves. You don't see a lot of lefty closers. And when you do, it's usually a guy like uh, like Will Smith in Atlanta who's like a closer-heavy, a, a slider-heavy kind of guy. You don't see a lot of lefty closers. But Oregon, I feel really good about their bullpen. It's just can all of the new guys – in the rotation, and in the starting lineup. Can they all take the leaps they need to get Oregon back to the regionals? Um, talking about a team that ha- kind of has a base but has to build a bit, Arizona State. Okay, 33-22 and 22 last year. Um, they brought in Willie Bloomquist to run the program last year. Had a good year. You know, um, this, is, you know, this is year one. They set up to look pretty decently. Um, 
Ethan Long, sophomore third baseman. He played for Team USA. He was a good power bat for them last year. You feel good about that. Uh, Sean McLean, uh, third-year sophomore second baseman. Another guy batted over 300 last year. Had an OPS of, I want to say, almost 900. You know, good defender. Can kind of give you some energy on offense. You've got a couple of other good good defenders in there. You bring back a sophomore center fielder. Uh, their third baseman's moving over to shortstop. He was elite at third last year. Hunter Haas was a great third baseman last year. So you have to hope that most of that translates over to short as well. And then um, the first baseman, Connor Davis, missed all the last year with an injury, came back, could have gone pro, came back. Uh, he played for all, at, at Auburn. I've seen him play personally for four years, hit 287 at Auburn. And so, you know, Oregon feels good about, all right, this is his shot. He's taking this final year to rebuild his MLB draft stock. So he's going to come out here. He's going to rake. Now, the pitching staff, this is where you really have the questions for Arizona State. Uh, and they dealt with a ton of injuries last year. So that record is 33-22 is kind of like, wow, you did that with all the injuries you had. But they're, uh, they're bringing in a lot of lot of transfers, a lot of guys come back, coming back from injury. Boyd Vanderkuy threw two-thirds of an inning last year, got hurt, missed the whole season. He threw 25 innings in 2020 and had an ERA under one. So you hope he has that form back. You've got Cal State Fullerton transfer Kyle Luckham coming in. You've got West Virginia transfer Alan Tullett coming in. Neither one of them looked amazing last year, but they've got experience. Um, you have some other guys who could start. Will Levine's a fourth-year junior righty. Um, he was in the bullpen last year. He may be a starter. He may be in the bullpen. I'm not sure. But you just have a lot of unknowns about that slate. And then Cal at number seven. Cal's got some studs, okay? Dylan Beavers, third-year sophomore right fielder. Kid hit 300 last year. OPS of 1301, 18 home runs, okay? Absolutely just destroyed people. Uh, Josh White last year, 5 and 3, 279 ERA, uh, struck out 81 guys in 61 innings, kind of had a swing roll. He's going to be the Friday night starter. Both these guys, and you hear me talk about it all the time, both these guys played for Mike Shosha with Team USA, got a lot of valuable experience, really grew a lot as players. There's a chance that Dylan Beavers could be the Pac 12 player of the year. There's a chance that Josh White could be the Pac 12 pitcher of the year. The question is, what's going to happen around those guys? You've got, you've got some younger guys. You've got some guys who have been either starters but underperformed. You have guys who are in new roles, just you know, guys who miss time. You just need people to step up around those two guys if you want to finish better than the back half of the conference. And I mean, whether it's whether it's the the corner infield spots, whether it's catcher, whether it's your Saturday Sunday. Guys, there's just a lot of questions for Cal. Where are these guys going to go? Now, Aaron Roberts, the closer, 2-3-1 ERA last year. Didn't have a ton, 11, uh, 11 innings. But this kid can hit 100 with his fastball. It's a fantastic fastball. Um, I feel really good about him being the full-time closer for this team. But it's just there's just a lot of questions about who is going to step up around Dylan Beavers and around Josh White. Um and then when you kind of look at questions, USC, a lot of questions about USC. 25 and 26 last year overall, 13 and 17 in the conference. They've had back-to-back top 25 recruiting classes now. And so the question is, 
these we've brought in talent these last two years. Which of these guys are going to step up and actually do the dang thing? Okay, so who's going to come up? Who's going to to take over for the guys who have left? Who's going to take over for you know and step into new roles and produce? Step up, you know, raise their production to you know. I was a Tuesday guy. Now I'm a Friday guy or a Saturday guy. Uh, I was a swingman on defense. Well, now I'm a starter. Who's going to step up? And that's just the real question. And when you kind of go through a lot of these teams, Washington State, Washington, Utah, like a lot of these teams just have so many holes. That's why they're projected at the bottom down here. There's talent on these teams. It's just who's going to do it? Who's going to do what? So I'm really excited to see how this conference pans out. I think Stanford, I think Oregon State, I think Arizona are probably your favorites. Again, Cal has the star power if they can find some other pieces around it. Oregon has a lot of good guys. The question is just going to be, you know, can they, like, can these new guys coming in, can these younger guys, can they all step up and fill in, fill in the holes? So great, great conference. Excited to watch them play this year. Stanford's already had a great start to the season. Um, Oregon State just has a a fantastic pitching staff, top to bottom. They absolutely shove. And so watch what happens. Again, you could probably have five or six tournament teams out of this conference. Really good conference. Excited to watch what happens. I think it's seeing what what UCLA can do this weekend in Houston and that Shriners Hospital College Classic is going to be big. Uh, They need to have a good showing to show that that they are here to play. Uh, they've got, four, they've got, th- I think three ranked teams on tap in this thing. So let's do it. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. We appreciate you being here. Do me a favor, like and subscribe. It really does help the show a ton. If you want to stay tuned, this week, uh, Wednesday, we actually have a CBA show all about the CBA. I am answering questions from all of the other locked on MLB hosts about the CBA, about the specifics of what has been negotiated what the players want to change, what is being done. So so come back, check that out tomorrow. In the meantime, if you have questions for the show, we do mailbox all the time. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Send those questions in to us. We'll get them as soon as we can. Until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Um.